1: So, and the last fast, which was really the first event, but anyway, the last fast was in the 10th month and that was to remember the day when Jerusalem was attacked, which later was invaded and conquered. And Jeremiah 52, 4, Jeremiah 52, 4, it says, and came to pass in the ninth year of his reign in the 10th month in the 10th day of the month that Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came and he and all his army against Jerusalem and pitched against it and built forts against it round about. So these are the four times of the year when Israel fasted to remember these very sad events, very awful events, the first attack on Jerusalem, the fall of Jerusalem, the burning of Jerusalem, and the temple, the murder of the governor. And those were all very sad times in history. And so in order to express this sorrow, this mourning for these times, the whole country fasted. Everybody fasted. No one fasts when they're happy. That's not the time to fast. The time to fast is when you're sad and when you're grieving and when you're mourning. And this is what the Lord explained in Matthew 9:14, Matthew 9:14, when he was challenged about why his disciples didn't fast, and he said in Matthew 9:14, then came to him the disciples of John, saying, "Why do we and the Pharisees fast often, but thy disciples fast not? And Jesus said unto them, "Can the children of the bridegroom mourn?" as long as the bridegroom is with them. But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken from them, and then shall they fast. So what he was saying here was that, look, the bridegroom, it's the Lord Jesus, is with the disciples, so they're not sad, they're happy. You don't fast because they're happy. But he said, he's leaving, and when he leaves, it's gonna be sad, very sad. He says, then that's the time that they're gonna fast. That's the time you and I live in when he has left the earth, and we'd rather be where he is, in heaven. So fasting is a way to express the sadness for not being with him in heaven. So fasting is an expression of sadness, and fasting is not only an expression of sadness, but fasting is also a method. It's a method of self-denial. And self-denial is important, why? Because we suffer from the power of sin over our lives. And sometimes we come to a point where we can't break it. And then the power of sin has to be broken, so it has to be understood, where does this coming from? Where does the power of sin come from? And James 1.14, James 1.14, it tells us, it tells us where the power of sin comes from, when it says, every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust has conceived, it brings forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, brings forth death. So that's the source. That's the source of sin in our lives. Sin in our lives comes from James 1.14. Every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust. That's our problem. And Tyson, lust is conceived, it brings forth sin. His own lust is the source of sin. And sometimes that can be so strong that that self, that, his own lust, it has to be crippled. And the way to cripple that self is by fasting. Because fasting is self-denial. And sometimes when we feel it's so strong and we can't overcome this lust, it's taking control, that's the time to resort to fasting to break the lust in our lives, break the power of lust in our lives. Fasting helps to do what the Bible calls put on the Lord Jesus Christ in Romans 13.4. Romans 13.4, it says, put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts. Thereof, Now, this was something that Paul, in his personal life, was acutely aware of. He was always aware, and he was afraid of one thing in his life. And what he was afraid of was this danger of falling. Paul did not want to fall to the power of lust in his own life. Paul did not want to be brought down by the power of his own lust. And it scared him, because he knew that if he yielded to the power of his own lust, he wouldn't be genuine. He wouldn't be genuine. And so he wouldn't be reflecting the message that he was preaching. So Paul was really afraid of becoming a counterfeit. A counterfeit preacher is a hypocrite who does the very things that he preaches against others not to do. So that meant that Paul was always battling the lust of his flesh. You know, the wild thoughts, the sinful imaginations. And this put Paul in a state of constant guard. He was constantly on guard against himself because, in fact, Paul saw himself in this constant fight. He saw himself in a constant fight with the lusts of his flesh. And he felt like he was always fighting the flesh and trying to bring it down to the mat, trying to make it subject. And this is what he says in 1 Corinthians 9, 27. 1 Corinthians 9, 27. But I keep under my body, literally keep under means punch, I keep under my body, and bring it unto subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. And the method that he used to keep his flesh under control is what he called in 2 Corinthians eleven 27, 2 Corinthians eleven twenty-seven. fasting's often. Fasting's often. So fasting is useful to keep the lust of the flesh under control, to break the power of the lust of the flesh. Now, the Bible reveals another purpose or another reason to fast. And that's when a person really comes to a state where they're just not satisfied with their spiritual life. When a person just feels like, you know what? I'm just too far. I'm too far from the Lord Jesus Christ. I wanna be closer to Him. You know what, a person feels like there's really just, just too much religion There's just not, there's too much religion and too little relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Or when a person feels that church has gotten in the way of Christ, and when a person feels like, I've got churchianity, but I don't have Christianity. And when a person just feels this deep, deep yearning for more of Jesus, more of Jesus, I want more of Jesus, and he's frustrated, and he wants a revival in his soul, And somehow, he just feels like so many things have just lured him away, enticed him away, charmed him away, and he's drifted away from the Lord. And he knows he doesn't have the first love that he had for the Lord when he was first saved. You know, that's gone. And when a person knows that I read the Bible because I have to read the Bible, I don't love to read the Bible. I don't get up each morning and say, oh, "I I love to read the Bible." And when he prays, because he has to pray, but if you really in his heart of hearts, he's say, "I don't love to pray." It's kind of like prayers become a recitation, old phrases, and he can no longer really say from his heart the words of hymn 334, hymn 334, which says, "Jesus is all the world to me. My life, my joy, my all. He's my strength from day to day. Without Him, I would fall." He can't say that anymore. And when he sings hymn number 563, 563, when he sings the words, all to Jesus I surrender, all to him I freely give, I will ever love and trust him in his presence daily live, I surrender all. When he sings those words, he knows he's lying. He knows he's lying because he's not surrendered all to Jesus. So when a person is in this state and he knows his life as a Christian is just play acting, when he talks a good talk and he knows in his heart that he's as cold as Antarctica, toward the Lord Jesus Christ inside. And when all those feelings are there and the person feels trapped and he doesn't know how to get out, he doesn't know how to return to the Lord as his first love. He doesn't know how to stop this drifting. He doesn't know where the anchor is to put down, to stop the drift and the first step to get him back. And when he's in that state, the Lord has advice for him. And the Lord says to him, I'll tell you what you need to do. In Joel 2.12, Joel 2.12, Joel 2.12, the Lord said, therefore also now saith the Lord, turn ye even to me with all your heart and with fasting and with weeping and with mourning and rend your heart and not your garments and turn unto the Lord your God. He's gracious and merciful, slow to anger, great kindness, repenteth him of the evil. So to this person who feels so far from God, he wants to return to the Lord. Joel 2.12, Joel 2.12 says, turn ye unto me with all your heart and with fasting. That person, the Lord says, it's time to turn to me with your heart and fasting. And it's useful, fasting is useful to return to God to get the fire reignited again, to get the first love on fire again. It's useful to return to the bloom of the first love that Jesus that, that he had when he first turned to God. God says, time to turn to me, time to fast. So fasting helps the process. Fasting helps the process. It's not a magic formula. The person has to turn with all his heart, but fasting helps him to turn with all his heart. And the reason why fasting helps is because fasting gets the attention of the soul. When the body is denied, then the soul is listening. Fasting helps the soul to stop sleeping and take spiritual issues seriously. Fasting helps the soul to stop sleeping and take sin seriously to take prayer seriously, it helps the soul to wake up. So that's another reason to afflict the soul. Now we see in Scripture another reason to fast, and that's when there is a grave danger ahead. And we see this in the example when all the Jews were scheduled to be exterminated on one day. This was the final solution that was devised by Haman. And Queen Esther decided to put herself into grave personal danger by approaching the king, which meant that that would be instant death unless the king held out his scepter. And so she decided to do this in order to save the Jews from being destroyed. And so, but before she did this, what she said in Esther 4.16, Esther 4.16, as she said to Mordecai, go gather all the Jews that are present in Shushan and fast ye for me. Neither eat nor drink three days, night or day. I also on my manes will fast likewise. So so I'll go into the king, which is not according to the law. And if I perish, I perish. So this is another reason we see in the Bible to fast. When there's a grave personal danger, like hearing from the doctor, you've got cancer. That's a grave personal danger. Now, we see in Scripture another reason to fast. And that's when prayer just needs to be turned up a notch. When prayer needs to be intensified. When prayer needs to be stronger, and there are some needs that normal, but there's some needs that prayer alone, it just won't cut it. It's got to have an extra intensity to it. And it's fasting that brings this prayer to the next level up. It turns up the intensity of prayer. Fasting raises the intensity of prayer as can be seen in Matthew 17. There's a history in Matthew 17, 14 through 21, Matthew 17, 14 through 21, where here was this demon-possessed son And the father is coming to the Lord, begging the Lord. He's saying to the Lord, my son is constantly hurting himself. He's throwing himself in the fire. He's throwing himself in water. And then he explains to the Lord, he says, and I brought him to your disciples. And they prayed, but it didn't work. He still possessed with the demon. They couldn't cast the demon out. And so the disciples came up short on this. They just could not cast this demon out. So the disciples came to the Lord with their question of why, why could we not? Why could we not cast the demon out? Why couldn't we cast the demon out of the sun? And the Lord explained to them the problem in Matthew 7, 21, Matt 7, 21, when he said, how be it this kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. The problem with the disciples was it was prayer with no fasting. And the solution to the problem was it had to be prayer with fasting. This is because what prayer does, what fasting does, is it raises the intensity of prayer. And some needs require a more intense prayer only fasting can bring. Now there's another reason to fast, and that's when a person is so intensely sorry for his sin. He really feels bad over his sin, and that's a time to fast. And that can be seen in the king and the people of Nineveh. After God told them through Jonah that their sin has put them right in the middle of the road to destruction and judgment. And what it says in Jonah 3.4, Jonah 3.4 is Jonah began to enter into the city a day's journey and he cried and said, yet 40 days that Nineveh shall be overthrown. So the people of Nineveh believed God and proclaimed to fast. This is all the people. They're the ones who proclaimed to fast for themselves and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them even to the least of them. For the word came unto the king of Nineveh and he arose from his throne. He laid his robe from him, covered him with sackcloth, in ashes. He caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout. Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles saying, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed nor drink water. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily unto God. Let them turn everyone from his evil way and from the violence that is in their hands. So fasting is an expression of repentance. Fasting is a way to say, I repent of my sins. I feel so bad for my sins. Now, sometimes there are very important decisions that have to be made in life. And we're just clueless. We don't know what we should do. And so that's a time when fasting is the step to take, is the step to take. Now this can be seen in the life of Ezra. Ezra was confronted by enemies that wanted to do what Iran chants, death to Israel, death to the Jews, death to Ezra's people. And Ezra needed protection. Ezra needed protection, and Ezra didn't want to go back to the idolatrous king that had sent him on his way for protection because he already told the king God would protect me, and so Ezra didn't know what to do. So what he did do is he proclaimed a fast, and he said that he called that fast afflicting ourselves in Ezra chapter eight twenty one. Ezra eight twenty one, when he says, then I proclaimed a fast there at the river Ahava that we might afflict ourselves before our God to seek of him a right way for us and for our little ones and for all our substance. For I was ashamed to require of the king a band of soldiers and horsemen to help us against the enemy in the way, because we had spoken unto the king, saying, the hand of our God is upon all them for good that seek him, but his power and his wrath is against them that forsake him. So we fasted and besought our God for this, and he was entreated of us. So basically, fasting is appropriate when a person wants to know what he should do and he's frustrated and he doesn't know what to do and God says, fast and pray, fast and pray. Okay, now, fasting is also done when a person is paralyzed with fear. Fear has just gripped his soul. And this happened in the life of King Jehoshaphat. When he, King Jehoshaphat, found out that there was this huge group of his enemies that had gotten together. And they were coming to destroy him in Jerusalem. And he knew he was way outnumbered by them, way outpowered by them. And so what did he do when he was in this paralyzing fear? He proclaimed a fast. 2 Chronicles 20 verse 1. 2 Chronicles 20 verse 1. It came to pass after this also that the children of Moab and the children of Ammon and with them also beside the Ammonites came against Jehoshaphat to battle. And there came some that told Jehoshaphat, saying, There cometh a great multitude against thee from beyond the river, on this side Syria. And behold, they be in Hazazan Tamar, which is in gedi And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. So this fast was for when paralyzing fear had gripped him, and that's time to fast as well. Now, fasting is also done when there is a need for healing. When there's a need for healing for example there was this child that was born from the union the adulterous union between david and bathsheba and the child was very sick and david wanted god to heal the child and so david prayed and fasted so that god would heal the child and then when the child was not healed if in fact the child died he stopped fasting because there was no more need for calling for healing. And this is seen in 2 Samuel 12, 19. 2 Samuel 12, 19, which says, But when David saw that his servants whispered, David perceived that the child was dead. Therefore David said unto his servants, Is the child dead? And they said, He is dead. Then David arose from the earth and washed and anointed himself and changed his apparel and came into the house of the Lord and worshipped. Then he came to his own house, and when he required, they set bread before him, and he did eat. Then said his servants unto him, What thing is this that thou dost done? Thou didst fast and weep for the child while it was alive. But when the child is dead, thou didst rise and eat bread? And he said, While the child was yet alive, I fasted and wept. For I said, Who can tell whether God will be gracious to me that the child may live? But now he's dead. Wherefore should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him. He will not return to me. So, Fasting is appropriate when there's a desire for healing, for healing. Now, we think about fasting, we've been talking about fasting, and it's all coming down to, it's good for us, it benefits us. We're healed, it's a benefit of us, we're afraid, it's a benefit for us for, you know, many, many reasons. But they're all about us. But fasting is not only to benefit us, fasting is also called a service to God. It's called the service to God. This we see in an 84-year-old widow whose name was Anna. An 84-year-old woman whose name was Anna. She is said to served God. She's 84 years old. She said to served God with fasting. This is given to us in Luke 2.37. Luke 2.37. She was a widow of about fourscore and four years, which departed not from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayer night and day. Fastings and in prayer night and day. Fasting, now another purpose or reason for fasting is that during fasting, a special word may come from the Lord. A special word may come from the Lord. All of a sudden, a passage in the Bible may be lighten up. Or as in the case of a Roman centurion named Cornelius, the Roman centurion named Cornelius, he fasted for four days. And it was during those four days, it says in Acts 10.30, Acts 10.30, Cornelius said, four days ago, I was fasting until this hour. And at the ninth hour, I prayed in my house and behold, a man before me in bright clothing. Now, another purpose or reason fasting is is for the church is for the church. When important decisions have to be made in the church, like a selection of elders, that's an important decision. And it's not just a, well, who do you think should be an elder? Who do you think should be an elder? There is a process. Or when missionaries are gonna be sent out, it's not just a potluck, but when missionaries are gonna be sent out, in these two important moves, we have the record of fasting. In Acts 13.2, Acts 13.2, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, The Holy Ghost said, separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work wherein I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on him, they sent them away. So when it was time to send out two missionaries, when it was time to commission them, when it was time to ordain them, it was with fasting. And when it was time to select and ordain elders for the church... When they was time to do that, it says in Acts fourteen twenty-three. Acts 14, 23. And when they had ordained them elders in every church and had prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord on whom they believed. Okay, now, there's another reason to fast. And it has to do with the greatest internal enemy that we have. The greatest internal enemy we have is pride. Pride is the mother of all sins. It's the one mother of all sins that gives birth to all of those kinds of sins. So our greatest internal enemy is pride. And it says in James 4.10, it says James 4.10, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due times. That's what it says in James 4.10. And the question becomes, how are we supposed to humble ourselves before the Lord? Does that mean we're supposed to walk around and hit ourselves or something like that? But we're told how to humble ourselves in Psalm 35:13. Psalm 35:13 where David said, "But as for me, when they were sick, my clothing was sackcloth. I humbled my soul with fasting." He says, "I humbled my soul with fasting." And you know, this is Hymn 583 This is humble thyself in the sight of the Lord. You know, it's like fasting in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up higher and higher. He will lift you up. Okay, so here we have these reasons in the Bible for fasting. And it all, it helps us to see why in verse 16 the Lord said, when ye fast. Number one, fast to afflict the soul. Number two, fast when you're grieving or you're mourning. Number three, fast to break the power of lust. Number four, fast to get close to God. Number five, fast when you're in grave danger. Number six, fast to intensify prayer. Number seven, fast to repent of sins. Number eight, fast to know direction from God. Number nine, fast when you're afraid, when you're gripped in a paralyzing fear. Number 10, fast for healing. Number 11, fast to serve God. Number 12, fast to hear from God. Number 13, fast for decisions for the church. And the last, 14, fast to humble your soul.
0: Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God.